this morning. Hallelujah. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Amen. We have a great opportunity this morning. Our, our church is uh, in several places. A lot of our faith family meets here every Sunday with us is in Natchitoches. We're having a special service down on the riverbank this morning along with our motorcycle ministry there. They've been doing ministry all week. We've had a couple of professions of faith. Had a baptism in Cane River yesterday. Amen. Let's praise the Lord for that. Amen. I want to thank you, church, for being a, a going church, for being a sending church, for, 
for letting it be okay to not be here and to be able to do the work of the ministry. Amen. Lewis was down at Angola this week, uh, weekend, had several professions of faith there. Let's give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. And uh, man, it's just great stuff to be able to go and, and celebrate that way. Amen. Let's pray for them. They started at 10 o'clock also this morning. Let's just pray for the power of God to be on our place today and to be with Pastor Ralph and the rest of our worship team as they're up there on the river today. Father God, in the name of Jesus, thank you for letting us be the kind of church that's okay, that we celebrate people not being here and doing the work of the ministry. Father, it's not about our empire, but your kingdom. And may your kingdom today be expanded as a result of what we're doing and attempting for your kingdom. God, I pray in the name of Jesus right now for Holy Ghost anointing to be here today. Lord, don't let us go through another service without a fresh touch today. God, I pray for Pastor Ralph as, as he's preaching and for our worship team as they're leading worship on the river in Front Street in Natchitoches, God. May the praises rise, Lord. Down that, up, down that river and rise up those banks and down those streets, Lord. And that the passerbyers, Father, would hear the praises of Zion and be pulled in to hear the glorious worshiping of you, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, I also pray for weather, Lord, that you would just bless their weather today as they're outdoors. God, that you would just let it be a wonderful breeze blowing through that place. Father, that it would be comfortable as they're there. I pray against the technical difficulties that come with, with any sound system, Lord, much less a portable one. And God, I pray for a Holy Ghost anointing to be there. And God, today, at this place, at that place, at our campus in Peru, Lord, that people would give their heart to you today. God, that lives would be transformed today by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. Let's worship Him today. Hallelujah. is rising eyes are turning to you we turn to
display for all to see. You are light, you are light, when the darkness closes in. You are hope, you are hope, you have covered all my sins. Thank you, Jesus. You are peace, you are peace, when my fear is crippling. You are truth, you are truth. Even in my wandering, you are joy, you are joy, you're the reason that I see. You are life, you are life, in me death has lost its sting. Oh, I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your running to your arms, I'm running 
his love. Nothing.
Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, in your presence, everything begins to fade away. God, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just pray. I pray for everybody in this place that may have carried a heavy weight in here with them, God. Or they're just overwhelmed. I pray in your presence that you'd begin to perfect that which is concerning them. Minister to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, we exalt you, we praise you. All God's people said, amen. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in worship today. If you have your Bible, if you'll take it and turn with us to the book of Luke. We'll be looking in the book of Luke today at a passage of scripture in Luke chapter 2. We began our sermon series last week on the rebellion, join the movement. We looked at that, how um, last week we started at the resurrection Now, that was the definitive point in our faith, and we're working away from it. Last Sunday, we looked at how Jesus Christ rebelled against the very normal nature. He rebelled against nature. He rebelled against death. Uh, He rebelled against man. He didn't come to uh, please people, but he came to fulfill God's word. In the book of Luke, in chapter 2, it's a very familiar passage of scripture there, Um, and today we're going to be looking at this in great detail, and here's what it says, in Luke chapter 2 and verse 41, it says, and every year his parents traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. When he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom and the festival. After those days were over, they were returning with a boy, Jesus. But he stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it, assuming he was traveling in the the party. They went on a day's journey, and they began looking for him among the relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple complex, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, asking them questions. And those who heard him were astounded at his teaching that and his parents they were astounded at his understanding of his answers when his parents saw him they were astonished and his mother said to him son why you why did you treat us like this your father and i have been anxiously searching for you he goes on into verse 49 why are you searching for me he said he asked them did you not know that i would be about my father's business that I would be in my father's house and then verse 50 goes on but they did not understand what he was saying to them but later it says that Mary kept those things and pondered them today we're going to be looking at a sermon dealing with rebelling against less what does it mean to rebel against less well last week we looked at there's been other rebellions in our society. Matter of fact, the 60s produced a great rebellion, and we talked about last week and how in the 60s they were rebelling against something. They were rebelling against the culture that they were accustomed to. They were rebelling against the lifestyle they were accustomed to. They were rebelling against the Vietnam War. They were rebelling against all this stuff. But for us today, it's more than rebelling against something. We're rebelling for something. Matter of fact, the difference is 
rebelling against things in the 60s, but we're a nation today because men were rebelling for something. We exist as a country because men were rebelling for freedom to be able to worship God any way they wanted to. And today we're rebelling against less. Against less. We want to rebel against being less than God created you to be. One of the greatest sins in the whole world is that God created you and God formed you and God fashioned you for greatness. Yet many people never achieve that. Many people never arrive. And in this passage of scripture, we see that they had lost Jesus. Now, understand that they really weren't that bad of parents. It wasn't like they was in the SUV and didn't realize he wasn't there for a day. I mean, they traveled in caravans. This is a family event. The whole family had gone for the Passover meal. And more than likely, the way they traveled in those days was, was the women were traveling in a group and the men were traveling in a group and the kids were traveling between the two groups. You know what I mean? And so they were out there with his cousins. And so it wasn't unusual for them not to see him for a day in the journey. There was hundreds, thousands of people there. And so after that, they realized that he wasn't there, so he returned back to Jerusalem, and they began to look for him. Now it says after three days. Now, they didn't look for him in the city for three days, but they had traveled a day, and then they came back a day, and then they looked for him a day, and they went to the temple, and there Jesus was on the third day. And he was just sitting there, and he was learning. He was 12 years old, and he was learning. And he was not teaching them. Later we'll see that he taught them in the temple. But here he was just inquiring. He was asking questions. And his mother said, son, what are you doing? What do you, what, what, what do you, what do, you do this to us for? He said, mom, didn't you know I'd be about what I was created to be? I'm about my father's business. And today one of the greatest tragedies in the world is to see people who was fashioned for greatness and has all the potential in the world and they never achieve it because they never fulfill everything that they could be. Does it not drive you crazy to see kids who are so talented throw it all away? What about adults? I mean, God has created you for greatness. Man, God doesn't make junk. God did not create you with a mediocre plan in mind. Now, this isn't some motivational speech here today to make you feel good about where you are. This is the facts. God didn't create you to be mediocre. God created you with a plan. God doesn't make junk. You say, well, pastor, why in the world does he make sick people? Why does he make handicapped kids? Why does he make kids who are born with affirmities? Or why, does, why is there autistic kids? Why, why is there kids who is born with Down syndrome? God made a mistake there. Not in his eyes. He made a mistake in man's eyes. And most of the time, God has a great plan for handicapped children, but the handicapped child will never be able to meet the fullest potential that God has for that child that's born with infirmities because of the parents, because of the parents' unbelief. And they never really embrace and live up to the full potential of what God's trying to do in their life. God does not make mistakes. God does not make junk. God does not need do-overs. Can I get a witness? God has a great plan for you. And we need to rebel against the mindset of the devil that says we have to settle for less. 
We need to throw that off. I don't care what your teachers say about you. I don't care what your parents say about you. I don't care what your peers say about you. I don't care what your coach says about you. We need to cast off that spirit of defeatism and embrace the fullness of what God has in store for us. You know my life verse or one of them, and you're tired of hearing it, but I'm going to keep saying it till you it gets burned in your mind. I mean, it's, you know, we have those VeggieTales songs burned in our mind right now. Because we hear them over and over until this scripture is burned in your mind and you're reciting it walking down the street. I'm going to keep saying it. And what is that scripture? Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into our thought capacity the things that God has in store for those who he loves and calls according to his purpose. Who does he love? For God so loved the whole cosmos in John 3 and 16 that he gave his only begotten son and whoever would believe in, whoever would cling to, whoever would rely on would not perish but have everlasting life. God's got a plan for you. Grab hold of it and rebel against anything less than God's greatness for your life. Don't be envious of somebody else's gifts. Don't be envious of somebody else's abilities and, and knowledge and talents. God has something special for you. And it's a great plan. There's a couple things I want you to write down in your notes today about this passage of Scripture. And here's what it is. Number one, that God has given you a place. God's given you a place. Where is that place? At His table. Now, he's given us a place, and we were all born in a geographical boundary, but more than a geographical location in a world, in this world, God has given you a place at his table. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 6 that he gave us this place. Look at these few verses right here. And because you are God's son, God has sent his spirit of his son into our hearts who we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but you're a son. And if a son, then you're an heir through what? Your church? Through your mama? Through your daddy? No, through God, through Christ Jesus. Through Christ. Religion is not a good way. Religion is not a way. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. I love what it says at the beginning of this passage of Scripture. It says, since we've all been baptized into Christ, there is no distinction between Jews and Greeks, between free and slave, between male and female. Jesus Christ was a cross-cultural guy. Jesus died for the red and yellow, black and white, the pink and green, the meanest ones you've ever seen. Jesus Christ shed his blood on Calvary's cross for everyone, for everyone. And today, he has given everyone the opportunity to put their feet under his table, to worship him, to honor him, and to be able to cry out, Father, Abba, Father. He's given us this place at his table, which means he's given us this place of position. It's this place of position. I mean, this place at his table. What that means is that he has chosen us to be his peeps. He's chosen us to be part of his family. He's also given us something else. He's given us his name. He's given us his name that we may be able to be part of his family. God is up to something. God is working. God is moving. God is ruling. God is reigning. 
God's given you a place. Some of you may remember years ago, seems like years ago anyway, there was a guy named Kevin Carter. Kevin Carter was a photojournalist who took, was in sports world. And when the, the, the tragedies began to break out in Sudan, he decided to go and do photojournalism there. And so Kevin Carter journeyed to the Sudan area. And there was these UN feeding tents everywhere with tables, and they were bringing the, the orphans and the kids that were starving, and they were feeding them at the UN feeding tents. Kevin Carter took this photo right here, and he received the Pulitzer Prize Award. He received this, and it was this photo. It was the photo of this baby crawling on the ground. From where he took the photo, he could hear the noise under the tents. He could hear the feeding tents, and this, this child was crawling towards the UN feeding tent. But yet behind this child was this vulture. And it was constantly stalking this child, waiting on this child to die so that the vulture could devour the child. The child was moving towards his meal. The vulture was moving towards his. He sat there for hours to get this perfect picture which won him the prize. And he received all the notoriety that comes with that great award. He was the journal, photojournalist of the year. And he received that picture with this baby trying to get to a table where it could be fed. Now, in our area that we live in, there's not a lot of children that are starving in this way. There may be a few hungry children. There may be a few hungry people. But they're not starving in this way. But need I tell you that in the city that we live in, there are some people who are starving in a far greater way. They may not look like that from the physical appearance, but if you could look at them spiritually, they are spiritually starving to death. They are spiritually hungry. They are spiritually afflicted. And they seem to have no hope in their life whatsoever. And it may not be a physical vulture that is towering over them, but it's someone who's far greater. And it's our enemy. It is Satan who he says walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour waiting for a moment of weakness waiting for a moment that he can attack the prey and begin to devour it I want you to know something today. I don't care how deep the spiritual wounds are in your life, how deep the physical wounds are in your life. Jesus Christ died for you, and you may not have to starve to death physically or spiritually, and you might be set free by the liberating power of the cross of Calvary, and He has given you a place at His table. Give Him some praise in the house of the Lord for setting a place with your name at it today. I wouldn't leave here today, my brothers and sisters, without signing up for it, without having your place whom you can cry out, Abba, Father. There's something else that he gave us, though. With that place at his table comes a position. It's a position in his cabinet. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 20, it says, now then we are an ambassador for Christ. Therefore, we are an ambassador for Christ. What does that mean to be an ambassador for Christ? 
Well, you go back and it says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, all things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So therefore, because we are a new creation, he put us a place at his table. Because he put us a place at his table, he gave us authority to sit at his table. You are no longer a guest. You are a heir. And if you are a heir, then you are a child. And here's what I want you to understand. That he gave you the authority to be his ambassador. As though God were pleading or as though God was imploring or as though God was appealing through your on his behalf through you to reconcile lost men and women, boys and girls to him. I was looking online the other day. And I can count on my hand, one hand, the amount of people who has turned down the position of being an ambassador for the United States. More than the United States being an ambassador for the president who asked that person to serve. There's just not many people doing that. It's a position of power. It's a position of prestige. Basically what it is, is the United States of America, we have ambassadors to almost every country except the, the Palestinian country. We don't recognize Palestine as a country. We have not had an ambassador to Iran since 1979 because of the things that were going on in that country. And so, But every other country has an ambassador. Matter of fact, there's major organizations that has an ambassador to the United Nations, an ambassador to this group, an ambassador to that group. What is the ambassador all about? Well, that ambassadorship is that the president of the United States cannot be at every country, cannot be at every meeting. So he chooses someone at his own will and allows them to speak on his behalf, conduct business on his behalf. When he signs his name, it's as good as signing for the president. When he attends a meeting, it's as good as if the president was there. Well, maybe not as good as, but... What needs to happen, happens. Because when he becomes the ambassador, he has the authority to conduct business on behalf of the president. Now, those positions are not long-lived. They're lived most of the time through the life of the presidency. Very few ever carry on to the next. Unless the same party would win and he was a really good ambassador, then he may keep him. But, you know, the whole transition of power. Because the president is the one who gets to choose. Can I tell you something today, my brothers and sisters in Christ? When we were hanging out in the orphanage of hell, when there was no hope in our life whatsoever, when we were spiritual beggars, when we were starving to death spiritually, Jesus Christ said, I want you, I want you, I want you, I want you to be at my table, to be in my family, and to be my spokesperson. He's given you a place at his table. He's given you a position in his cabinet. In his ruling forces. God's imploring through you. On Christ's behalf. For men to be reconciled. Back to a holy God. Wow. A position. He's given us something else though. He's given us the greatest victory in all the world. The Bible talks about crowns. There's the crown of life. You may want to just jot these down. I'm not going to spend much time on them. There's the crown of life. There's the crown of righteousness. There's the crown of rejoicing. There's the crown of glory. There's the crown of incorruption. 
these five crowns that the Bible clearly speaks of, that one day when we as believers stand before Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that we have the ability to win all five or one of or a combination of all of those crowns. God has given us the victory. God has given us the victor stand. I was listening to a speech from someone who was an Olympic medalist. And, you know, when we think about the victor stand, it's the, the picture of the Olympics. The one in the middle is high. That, the gold medalist, the national anthem is played for the gold medalist. And then to his right is the bronze and to the left is the silver and vice versa. And, and, and uh, uh, depending on which way you're looking at the stage. But uh, the one in the middle is the ultimate victor. You know, there's a big difference in, in the gold medalist and the silver and the bronze medalist. Matter of fact, every time the Olympics take place, there's thousands upon thousands of people that go to the Olympics. Matter of fact, they leave their country, they travel to the country where the Olympics is taking place. Matter of fact, they can buy the gear. They can wear their, their gear. You can buy the same gear that the Olympics, uh, the, the people who are competing, the athletes are wearing. You can travel to the country, you can buy the gear, you can look the part, but there's only a handful of people who get to compete on the field. There's only a handful of people that get to compete on the field. And out of the handful of people, there's only three that can walk away with a medal. And while this person that I was listening to give, 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 sharing his, 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 um, his speech, here's what he said. There's a big difference between, there's not a big difference between the bronze and the silver, but there's a huge difference between the gold medalists. Matter of fact, there's certain rights and benefits that comes with being a gold medalist. He said, I went and I competed in several Olympics. I've won several medals, but I never won a gold medal. And because I never won a gold medal, there's a lot of places that I can't go. There's special benefits. There's special options. There's special clubs that only gold medalists can go to. There's a distinction between the ultimate winner and the ones who are behind him. Now, you know, when we think about this Olympic medal, we think about Jesus Christ. And when he was talking about the crowns that we could receive as believers, he gave us a place at his table, he gave us a position in his cabinet, but he gave us a place at the victor's table, and we wouldn't walk through life defeated. And here's what he's telling us today in this, in this thing. I mean, they understood the Olympics. I mean, after all, they started it in the Greek world. 757 was the first time B.C. before people competed. So when he talked about crowns, when he talked about competing, they understood it. You have the ability to be the ultimate victor through Jesus Christ. Today, would you rebel against anything less than that? Would you rebel against anything less than that? Shuck it off. Say, I will not be a loser. I will not be defeated. I will not settle, but I will press forward to what Jesus Christ has for me. That doesn't mean that you're not a content person. Let me tell you the difference. Content is being satisfied with where you are, but unsatisfied to stay there the rest of your life, but to press forward. Paul said this in the book of Philippians. One thing I do is letting go of those things which are behind me, and I press forward to the mark and the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ. Forgetting those things which are behind me, and I press forward. Kevin Carter did that. He did the work. He put in the time. He sat there for hours 
waiting on the perfect shot. And because he did that, he won a, he was the photojournalist of the year. He won this great prize. He won this great awards. All these accolades from that one picture of that starving baby crawling for food and the praying vulture over his side. Kevin Carter did that. He spent the time. He did the work. This man, as he spent all that time and all that energy, someone asked him, looking at the picture of the baby, looking at the picture of the vulture, someone asked him, man, man, what happened to the baby? He said, I don't know. I just walked away. I just walked away. He was willing to sit there for hours watching that vulture pray over that baby. Let's look at that picture again. He was willing to sit there for hours waiting on the perfect shot of that vulture praying over that baby, but he didn't have enough time to carry it to the feeding trough. My brothers and sisters in Christ, We may not find babies that look like that in our country. But they're everywhere that look like that spiritually. If you could take a picture of them internally, their spiritual soul, their spiritual heart, they would look like that or even worse. Even worse. And today, we need to settle We need to not settle for anything less than being someone who will assume the position, assume the power that Christ has given you to go into the world and make a difference. If you're going to eat from his banquet table, then you should serve in his field. You know what happens to ambassadors who only play golf in the foreign countries and go on deep sea fishing adventures and hunting trips while they're doing the work of the ambassador. Their serving at will doesn't last very long. (laughs) Amen. I mean, if they were supposed to be there conducting business on behalf of the President of the United States and they're never there to conduct the business, how long do you think they get to conduct the business of the President? Today, we can make a difference. We can make a difference. Kevin Carter walked away. Many churches are walking away. But we don't have to be one of them. Today our building is half full. Because we were willing to let half of our church go to another city. And do church on a riverbank. We don't have to guilt them into thinking you have to be here. Every waking moment. To be able to hear from God. I thank you that we're the kind of church that's willing to go beyond the sheetrock. And over the last couple of weeks, God has given me a revival of purpose. A revival of purpose, and I'm overwhelmed by it. And my soul has been stirred because I realize that as I walk down the streets of our city, that there are thousands upon thousands of people who are spiritual beggars 
spiritually starving to death and they're looking for someone who's not willing to just gawk at them but are willing to reach down and pick them up and bring them not to the tent of the United Nations not to go get them a EBT food card and say eat and be filled but to bring them to the table the banquet table of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and to make a difference for all of eternity Kevin Carter won the prize but it was short lived Because just a few months later, at the age of 33, he took his own life. But yet he had accomplished his dream. Very few people know who he even is anymore. Because it was so temporary. Next year, somebody else will get a better picture. Somebody else will do a more noble deed. But I am telling you that we can make a difference for all of eternity. For all of eternity. How would we ever do that? Well, here's how we'll do it. You drive through our city and you say, there's no way I can reach the city. It's so overwhelming. And you say, how can I get in that house? How can I meet that neighbor? How can I do this? Kevin Carter had to buy a plane ticket. He had to go to another country. He had to put in the time. He had to wait for the shot. He had to subject himself to very difficult conditions and a lifestyle to get the shot that won him the prize. When we drive through our city, it seems overwhelming. But over the last several weeks, we've been talking about this and praying about it as your staff. And we have spent a lot of time on this map right here, pouring over it. And I am telling you that this is how we can make a difference in our own Sudan. This is how we can make a difference in our own city. This is how we can make a difference in our own community. But you see, every one of these cultures that you see, every one of these colors represents a different culture group. It doesn't necessarily represent a different color of skin. It represents a whole different way of living, a whole different lifestyle. And many times, I got to thinking about this, I live on the corner of an intersection, and on that corner of two streets meeting, there's over five different cultures on my one intersection of the city where I live. What does that mean? That inside of every one of those color zones, there's a different type of people. There's a different people group there. But in every one of them, they're waiting for somebody to make a difference. When you look at our city, you say, oh my, there's no way we could prayer walk our whole city. There's no way we could make a difference in our whole city. And you're right, it gets pretty difficult to prayer walk a city the size of Alexandria. But need I tell you that it's not too difficult to pick an orange block, a red block, a green block, a pink block, a yellow block and say, I can prayer walk that city block. I can prayer walk that neighborhood. I can make a difference right there. Matter of fact, many of you live in those color zones and you need to be more than a temporary resident there. You need to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This is how Jesus did it. He could have never rode his little donkey into the city of Samaria, into the country of Samaria and made a difference. So he found a woman who was broken, who was shacked up, who was living in sin and had had already had five husbands. And he transformed her life. And she went back to the city of Samaria and brought the Samaritan men out to where Jesus was at Jacob's well. And the Bible says that many of the men believed on Jesus because of the word of the woman. But then they said, would you stay here for a few more days? And he did. And the Bible says that many of them believed on him because of his word. You are 
that missionary. You are that ambassador. You can make a difference. I've had a revival of purpose because when you start a church, and we're five years old, we've completed five, four years, and you start a church, I mean, you have a pretty good incentive to get out in the city when there's only about six of you. But when you start getting a couple of hundred, you kind of lose your purpose and you're thinking, wow, I don't have to work as hard. I don't have to go out as much. I don't have to knock on as many doors because we've got a good family. And yes, we do. And we have a great family, a wonderful family. We have a going family. But I am telling you that we have to be a family that doesn't pull a Kevin Carter and settle and look upon people who are perishing in their sins and perishing in spiritual bondage but are willing to run into the trenches and pick them up and try to bring them to safety and bring them to salvation and bring them to healing and bring them to transformation and say God loves you for where you are. God loves you for the spiritual affliction. God loves you for the broken dreams but he loves you enough to accept you with all that baggage but not leave you there. Not leave you there. I can't do it by myself. Jesus didn't want to do it by himself. That's why he said, now you're my ambassador. And it's going to be like I'm imploring through you on my behalf for people to be reconciled. We can make a difference. This red area on the map, it represents a very hard area that most churches have just cut off the map. And they're like, we're just going to let that area go. It's too hard. They live differently. I don't agree with the way they live. I don't think like they think. They brought a lot of it on their self. It's not how Jesus sees them. He sees them as sheep scattered with no shepherd. In need of a touch from a holy God. How do we do it? It's beyond the sheetrock. It's beyond the sheetrock. Oh yeah, we have a good time inside the sheetrock. But it's beyond the sheetrock. It's making a difference. You may have saw that trailer when you pulled up. The splash mobile. It's actually our our bat machine. The Lord gave us that last week. Stumbled across that trailer from a friend of mine. It was for sale for $7,000. I was anxious not knowing what to do about it. Prayed about it. The next day I got him up, I said, you know what, call your friend, Tom Woods. we want it. I don't know how I'm going to pay for it, I don't know how we're going to get it. That was on a Tuesday. By Friday, the Lord had already provided all the money supernaturally for that trailer out there. A couple had been doing puppet ministry beyond the sheetrock in the city, inner city ministries. He took a church pastoring on a Navajo, on an Indian reservation needed the money. He had to get rid of the trailer. They were wiping the tears off their faces as I drove out of the parking lot with that trailer. That was their baby. That was their church. That was their to infinity and beyond mobile. It was beyond the sheetrock. You know how we're going to impact these culture groups? One block at a time. When I drive through the city, I'm overwhelmed and I don't know what to do. And I think there's no way I can make a difference. When I laid that map out on the wall in our foyer, when I laid it out on that conference room table and I look at it and I say, this is doable. This is doable. I can do this. 
I can pray over this block. I can pray over this city. I can make a difference right here for the glory of God. This is reachable. I don't have to leave them there. I don't have to leave them there. I can do it. We can do it. Because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. This summer, we're looking for six college interns to put in that trailer out there and send them out every day into the city beyond the sheetrock and make a difference. A couple of weeks ago, we had over 200 kids adults gathering at park behind the church what a night it wasn't black it wasn't white it was a sea of people black and white and I thought my soul was so happy because we were working on the labor of, of many trips into that inner city we were working on the backs of those college interns who was in that city park Last year in the 100 degree weather, going and loving, going and touching, going and praying, going and making a difference. We baptized Lawrence because they were willing to go. They were willing to give. You say, oh, pastor, I got to work. I can't go that much. Well, I know you can't. But those college students need a place to live. I promise you they can't afford rent in Alexandria on what we're paying them. They're not going hiking across the, the Appalachian Mountains. They're not backpacking across Europe. They're going into the belly of the beast. They're going into the inner city of Alexandria. And they're willing to invest their life. They need somebody to hold a rope for them. How can I do it? How can I make a difference? Plug into our family. Don't just be an attender. Don't just come in and out, but grab hold of the vision and say, once and for all, I believe in this. I believe that we can make a difference. No longer write off sections of the city. You know what? We're going to be defeated many times, but we will not be cast down and we will not be conquered. We will get back up on our feet and we will run back into the trenches again with a new plan and a new strategy and a new vision and a new zeal making a difference for the glory of God. Will you join me on that journey? Where do you start? It's Wednesday night. If you don't understand our faith family, for the next six weeks we'll have Connections 101. Understanding our family, understanding our fundamentals. If you want to be part of this family, you've got to plug into that class and learn who we are. If you want to make a difference in the red zone, the green zone, the pink zones, the purple zones, Wednesday night for the next six and eight weeks we're laying out the, the new direction, the new vision, the recasting, the resetting of our home groups. And we don't do home groups just to build fellowship. We do home groups to get outside of the sheetrock and reach people who are unchurched. If you're part of our family and you want to learn more about that, for the next six weeks we're going to walk through that. That's not for you. How do you make a difference? There's over 70 kids that pile into this building on a Wednesday night that are coming from the inner city. And they're all over the place. You can plug in right there. You can plug in making a difference for the glory of God. Making a difference. How do you do it? Don't just be a spectator. Plug in and be a participant. You can win the victory. You can make a difference for the glory of God.
I can't do it by myself. We can't hire enough staff members to do it. But as a family, I believe we can, with the little bit of resources we have and a supernatural God, we can impact our city. And God forbid it that we meet week after week and we don't do that. Would you take that journey? First place to get in. Maybe you're here and you recognize yourself as a spiritual beggar. Throw your hands in the air and say, Pastor, I need that. I need somebody to carry me back to his table. I need somebody. I need somebody. I don't have enough strength. I need somebody to help carry me to the table of the king. And with that comes all rights and privileges and authority from being able to cry out, Abba, Father. Maybe you're already part of that table. Maybe you're already part of that family and you sit at his table week after week after week and maybe today you just need to make your way to this altar and say, Pastor, I don't know what God wants to do in my life. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. But Pastor, I know this. I know this. That today I am rebelling against a temporary lifestyle, a temporary mindset, and being less than what God has created me to be. I'm going to rebel against that and rebel towards something in Jesus' name. With your head bowed this morning. I don't know what God's doing in your life, but I know this. He's doing something. He's speaking to your heart. He's trying to transform you. Would you go running towards Him today in Jesus' name? God, you've burned this message in my heart. You've burned this map into my heart. You've burned that picture into my heart of Kevin Carter. Lord, he took his life because he realized he had missed the greatest opportunity, Lord, because depression was overwhelming. And God, worldly success does not bring peace. Only you do. So I pray for victory today in the name of Jesus in the hearts of our people. God, raise up a remnant in this place today. Lord, raise up some bona fide soul winners. Lord, some missional people who are willing to get beyond the sheetrock. Lord, who are willing to keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Lord, renew the strength of those who have been going. Renew the courage of those who have been going. Lord, renew the faith of those who have been going. Lord, for those who have said today, it's just not working. I'm tired of going. I'm tired of doing. I want to go do something else. Lord, renew their strength today. Renew their faith today. That they wouldn't be cast down. They wouldn't be conquered, Lord. But they would rise up from the ashes and say, I will press on in Jesus' name. Move in our hearts today. Amen. Just stand to your feet today. Won't you come? Why don't you come worship with us today? This altar's open. Why don't you come? Why don't you come? It's our opportunity. You're here and you want to give an offering. During this invitation, you come offer your offering to the Lord as a part of worship. If you're not comfortable with that, there will be some people at the door if you'd like to give an offering to the Lord. But maybe you just make your way to this altar and say, God, I don't know where to start. Just show me where to start. Won't you come right now? How about you, sir? How about you, ma'am? Won't you come? Won't you come? Let's do it. Let's make a difference. Let's be city changers. Let's be world changers. Won't you come? Won't you come? This is his altar. Let's do business with him today. Jesus, Jesus. 
want you to come. make a difference for the glory of God. be seated for just a moment. I have several announcements I need to make for you. Uh, one, um, our new house churches will kick back off this week. Uh, if you want to know more about our faith family, if you want to know how to share about our faith family more, Connections 101 on Wednesday, uh, it'll meet on Bayou Rapids. You can get the address from us. It's in your handout, I think. Um, Pastor Ralph will be leading that. Um, if you're new to the family, if you've been praying about joining our family, we everybody that joins our family, we always want them to go through this, but it's a great place for those who have already part of the family and you want to know how to share who we are as a church better. There will be a, a, a dynamic in that. Also, one of the ways that we will reach our city is our goal is to place culture groups, to place culture groups in every one of those colors that will begin to reach the culture in that area. And we're going to do that through our home groups. If you'd like to learn more about that, if you'd like, to, if you're, if you are a leader, or you would, you're, you're, you, something's tugging at your heart to maybe be a host for one in your home, or to to be a leader of one in the future in the fall or something, we you will need to attend this as we reset our home groups, as we recast the vision. You know, we don't want to be like Charlie Brown, who shot the arrows at the fence and. Lucy walked up and he was putting a target over the area and she said, what are you doing? He said, I'm hitting the target. 
We don't want to be a moving target. We want to be intentional about reaching our city for Christ. And then, uh, you know, if you attend that, we're not going to, if you decide that's something you're not ready to do, it's okay. You don't have to do that. But it's a great opportunity to plug in. And uh, if you'd like to know more about our summer interns and need your help, please see us after church. We can share about that. Um, tomorrow, uh, our Sunday morning's children's worship. We're having a meeting. If you'd like to know more about that, it's in your handout, 530. Please be here for that. Children, we got to reach these children. We need to really get things ready because, see, those 60, 70 kids that attend on Wednesday night, we're fixing to move them into Sunday morning. We're fixing to start working on getting them here for Sunday morning, and we need all hands on deck. And really, there's no excuse because we have an early service, so, you know, you don't miss church. Man, we rock it out in here the same way at 8.30. And then after that, we go and we do the work of the ministry. So if you'd like to be on a rotating schedule for that, come tomorrow. Learn more about that. And then my lovely wife has something she wants to share with you. be our last announcement today. called not using a microphone. I'm not as loud as Brad, though, so I have to borrow one. April 27th, ladies, we are going to have a um, Priscilla Schreier. I mispronounced her name in the early service. Um, we are going to have a simulcast for Priscilla Schreier. Um, we've had a Bethmore simulcast before. It was very successful. We had a lot of fun. Um, this actually kicks off her new Bible study. It's on the study of Gideon, and it is how to use your weaknesses for God. Um, a lot of us know how to identify our strengths, and we hopefully are saying, We're, I'm using my strength. This is my strong point. Well, this is about how to turn your weaknesses over to God and how to use your weaknesses to, um, to do as much as you can with them, and more importantly, as much as he can with them, okay? Um, it's April 27th. It's in your um, handout that says it's from 8.30 until 4.30. Those times are not solid because we're going to see how we can eat lunch here and not give a lot of time off for lunch and stuff and maybe squeeze the time down a little bit more but if you're um, able to come we'd love to have you if you can't spend the whole day please plan starting in may we're going to do the um, follow-up bible study this is just the kickoff to the bible study and in may her her new bible study will come out and we'll do that um, priscilla schreier if you've never heard of her she um, worked with beth moore for years and has now split off on her own and they are so big they can't do anything together anymore because they can't hold them they can't hold that many people. So she does her own thing, and Beth Moore does her own thing, and they come together like once or twice a year for this huge thing. But um, she's a great, I have done some studies from her, great studies. And if you are able to come on April 27th, we'd love to have you. And if not, just plan on um, Bible study in May. Thank you. Amen. Yes. The church will provide lunch. And you can make a donation towards the cost of the simulcast or lunch or whatever if you want to that's how we did it before right yes yeah. all right lots of stuff happening amen uh please don't leave uninformed here's what we want to do uh when you go out uh we um we have the trailer opened up please go through check it out what the lord gave us this week and how we're going to be able to use that for ministry it's all opened up you can just do a walk through and Let's just thank the Lord for that. Amen. Let's praise Him. Thank Him for that gift today. Hallelujah. God is an awesome God.
And uh, it's going to be a wonderful opportunity for us as a faith family. If you're visiting with us today or part of our family, please give us an offering of information so we can share more of our church with you and, and receive your comments. You can just tear that off your informational handout and drop it in the boxes or the men at the door. And uh, it's a great day to be here. Praise the Lord. Let me pray for you, and then we'll sing a song and be dismissed. Father God, thank you for letting us worship you today. Thank you for who you are and what you're doing, God. Thank you for giving me a revival of purpose. And I pray, God, that that will spill over into our family. And, God, that we will see great things happen. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, Caleb, lead us in song.